welcome to the Preston Minster podcast. We want you to find your home, find your purpose and transform your city. When there's no way through, God will fight for you. Let's get stuck straight into the passage. It's Exodus chapter 14, verse 10 to 14. I'm delighted to be preaching this morning. I'm really excited for what God has placed on my heart for you. And I can see looking at half of your faces because the mask covers the rest. Have you noticed how, how different people look when they remove their mask? We used to think it was the eyes. No, it's the nostrils. That's where our face really comes alive. So I'm really excited for this this morning. So have you got your Bibles, Exodus 14, 10 to 14, or just close your eyes and let the Word of God just do something brilliant in your brain, in your heart. So Exodus 14. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. And they were afraid and cried out to the Lord. And they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. And Moses answered the people, don't be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to stand still. When there's no way through, God will fight for you. I remember being 12 years old and going for a walk with my dad along the beach. We lived in the south coast of England, so think sort of white cliffs of Dover and the birds flying overhead and lots of sunshine, lots of it, and sort of really pebbly, rocky beaches. And we set out, and I followed my dad, and we did one of these walks where you very quickly get off the beaten track. Um, And we ended up going a long way off the path, and we hadn't noticed that the tide was rapidly coming in, and we'd clambered on these rocks, and we'd found ourselves in a little bay, and the tide was coming in, and we couldn't go back. People, the only way was up the white cliff. And my dad, being an ex-police officer and Ray Mears guru and all around, he was just a dad basically in that moment, he noticed one of these kind of like strange cables that comes down a cliff side. And he'd gone from leading the way to then saying to me, Rachel, I'm going to come behind you. And honey, we're climbing up the cliff. And I didn't know what my dad would do, but I just knew that he would get us through. And it's one of those cute little stories that in my family, I think my parents are listening to this, in my family has gone down in the stuff of legend. Like, do you remember that time, dad, where we got stuck on the cliff and we had to climb up, we couldn't go back. Now, I can't remember, because that's what your memory does to you, isn't it? I can't remember if I gave gave my dad any grief. I was a 12-year-old girl. I'm sure I did give him lots of grief. I can't remember if I said, Dad, you're the adult. Like, how did you get us here? 
there. Like, didn't you check the map? I can't remember if I said to him, if only we'd stayed at the ice cream parlor, buying candy floss, this would never have happened. I can't remember any of that. I just remember that he got us to safety and it's stuff of legend in my heart now. But there have been many, many, and in fact, in my notes, I wrote many in capital letters, people, caps lock. There have been many situations in my life where my uncertainty of what's up ahead has led me to long for what's just been behind, what I've left behind. Even if what I'm leaving behind or left behind wasn't good for me, somehow the uncertainty of how I'm going to get through makes me long for what I've just left. We do that, don't we? Have you noticed that? We do that. Whether it's we sort of sign up for a course at work, or we move to a new city to go to university, or we start dating somebody, or we try to kick a bad habit, or we join Alpha, or we pop in and visit church and give that a go, or, or we say yes to Jesus. Have you noticed that the moment we step out on that journey of change, there's part of us that goes, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> The uncertainty of what lies ahead is making me feel that actually even the bad stuff I've left behind is better than the good stuff that might or might lay ahead. So, so why do we do this? Why do we do this? It's not just me, is it? Why do we do this? Well, every change involves transition. You and I are old enough and fabulous enough to know that we don't go from A to B overnight. There's not like a magic wand. There's not a sort of a dog poo fairy out there that magic, even though the posters say there is, that magically changes something overnight. Every change involves transition. And transition is challenging, isn't it? We use words like, like uh, Tim used this morning, like journey, like process, and we all know what we mean by that. They're like quite neutral words that kind of are coded for the really uncomfortable space between what was and what's coming. And, and, and this is called, in sociological business tech language, it's called the neutral zone. It has a name. And those of you that like to label things like me, because I'm a complete control freak, I'm like, oh, it's a thing. <laughs> it's a thing. It's not just me going crazy. It's a thing, and it is a thing. That space between what you've left behind and what yet to come is called the neutral zone. But I think that name is a little bit of a misnomer, because there ain't nothing neutral about it, is there? There's nothing neutral with feeling uncomfortable, with thinking that you're feeling drawn back to what was in the past and not quite sure you've got the courage for what comes up ahead. But this is a moment in our lives when we face these where something potentially huge is happening, especially in those moments where we can't see what the way through is, but we just dare to hope that there's a promise up ahead that we're holding out for. On the other side of that addictive behavior that's destroying us. On the other side of that change. And we resist these moments. We don't want them, but we need them. Because it's when we can't see a way through that we discover who it is 
that we trust. And this is what we've seen in the story that I just read this morning. I'm really aware that for some of you, when I read that passage, that slotted sweetly into your church and Bible knowledge. Like you could like locate that story dead quickly. You knew where that was. Others of you are like, you've just read this like basically like amazing action scene. I have no idea like what the heck you're talking about. So in a really, it's a nutshell, it's the Prince of Egypt stuff. So it's God's people are slaves in Egypt, this despotic ruler, Pharaoh is a brutal dictator. And God, after these incredible smackdown miracles, is rescuing his people. He's leading them out of Egypt to the promised land. And this story is full on action. It's an incredible moment. It's a story of the mightiest of smackdowns between almighty God and Pharaoh, who was the leader of the superpower of the age. And the Israelites' joy at being rescued suddenly, in a moment, turns to utter despair as they realize that they are being chased down by the most technologically equipped fighting force in the known world. <laughs> the churning waters of the Red Sea are before them. Don't think like Little Pond. We're talking churning waters of the North Sea. Think that. Think a ferry across the North Sea. Ugh. I, I have puked so much on that. I don't know why I've shared that. It was just a sudden memory of lots of sick. But the churning waters of the Red Sea ahead of them, and these highly trained warriors are coming behind them. And although the numbers were in the Israelites' favor, there were loads of them. The, the guys with the swords were coming up behind them. These were old people with children. They, they'd been enslaved for many years. They had no fight left in them, and they can see no way through. They're trapped. They have no fight in them. So they plead with Moses for what? To let them go back to the horrors of slavery. The horrors that they've been crying out to God to rescue them from. They're asking to go back to that. Better the horrors there than death. And they say to Moses, better to be slaves in Egypt than to be dead in the desert. And I don't blame them. I think I probably would have been saying the same thing. My kids are around me, my elderly parents are around me, and these warriors are heading towards me. Just do a deal with them, Moses. Just do a deal. I'll go back to being a slave any day. But there's a bigger picture. There is, isn't there? And we, and we can see it. We can see the bigger picture. And, and, and what we have here, and this is going to sound really critical of the people of Israel, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, we have them, so the fear and the grumbling and the doubt, and I get it, I understand it. I would have been like the most gobbiest of all of them in that mix. But they're kind of in this God's power and glory sandwich, aren't they? There's a bigger picture. And every time I read this passage, I want to shout at them, don't be afraid, don't give up. Like, it's going to be okay. God has not done all of this to bring you this far to get you to the edge of your salvation to just suddenly leave you there. He's not going to do it. Just because you can't see a way through doesn't mean there isn't a way through. God's got it. He's about to smash this. Just hold still. Just wait and just watch. And that is exactly what Moses says to them. 
That's the three things he says. The first thing he says to them is, guys, don't be afraid. He's basically saying, check your fear. Check your fear. It's totally natural that they're afraid, isn't it? I get a little bit nervous when I meet Christians that say, you know, I'm, I'm just so sure of God that I, I can stand in the middle of the M6 and I'm not afraid that a truck will knock me over. You're like, you've lost touch with reality. Like, fear is natural. It's, it's natural. But the problem is that their fear in that moment was distorting their view of the past. And it was making them blame Moses rather than trust God. And the interesting little insight that I didn't know is, did you notice what they say? They say to Moses, were there not enough graves in Egypt, Moses, that you brought out here? And one thing I hadn't realized was that Egypt specialized in graves. In fact, about three-fourths of their land was handed over to graves. They were big in the business of death. So actually, what they're saying to Moses is really vicious. They're like, I mean, could you, was there no, did you just basically want to destroy us? Are there not enough graves in Egypt? Like their fear is doing something ugly in them. I mean, oh my goodness, time for overshare. I won't overshare. But that's what happens to me. Does that happen to you? When I'm afraid, I can exhibit really horrible behavior, really ugly attitudes. And, 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 and Mo's saying, check your fear. Check what it's doing to you. Check how it's distorting your reality of what you've just been rescued from. You're seeing freedom in what you've been rescued from? Like, that's your fear talking. Check that. That's ugly. That's not going to lead anywhere good. It's making you blame rather than trust. And I'm an old woman, and it still takes me a while to spot when I'm blaming others rather than working out, am I going to trust or am I just going to fall here? So check your fear. I mean, it's hard stuff, isn't it? He's, he's not standing there saying, I know, doesn't it suck? <laughs> like, no, this is like he has a few seconds to breathe some fire into them. So he says, check your fear. Number two, he says, stand your ground. Moses is basically saying to them, stop! Have you ever done that to your kids? I mean, my son is three on a, on a scooter. I will regularly shout. I don't care who's around. Stop! Because I can just see him heading for a junction, heading for a road. I mean, that's what Moses is saying. He's saying, stop. Stop rushing back to the past that you've been rescued from and stop running into the Red Sea before it's been parted. Do you ever do that? I know, I know, I know the way through. I know what to do. If only we do this, 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 we'll do it. And most like, don't run back and don't run forward. Just hold your ground. Hold steady. And then the third thing is look to God. Look. It's that wonderful Lord of the Rings, isn't it? Look, look to the horizon when the sun rises. The armies will come. They couldn't understand how God could possibly be working this situation out for their good and his glory. And at that moment, at that very point, Moses couldn't see what God was going to do. Moses didn't have the gun like, and this is what happens next. But the difference is Moses knew what the result would be. He didn't know how God was going to do it, but he knew that the result would be that God would save his people. He knew that. He had no idea how God was going to do it, but he knew the result. And that's why he says, you stand still, because God will 
fight for you. When there's no way through, God will fight for you. And God does. In the next verse, God says this. Don't tell him to stand still. Tell him to get moving. <laughs> Put your hand, Moses, over the sea, and God parts the waters. And don't just stand there. The promised land's this way. Like, get moving. Get moving. And the people of Israel have to head out into the Red Sea, these towering walls of water. They would have been terrified, wouldn't they? They would have been terrified heading out into the Red Sea. And this rescue is about their freedom, absolutely. But it's also about something a load more important even. This is about God's glory. This is about God proving that he is who he says he is. And no superpower of the age and no churning Red Sea and no fear and no doubt is going to stop God from being God. As the people walk across the Red Sea in terror, God is smashing it, isn't he? God is smashing it. Nothing stops God. It's a tough story. It's a big story. The Israelites may have felt unsure and afraid and ready to head back to slavery rather than face the uncertainty of a promised land that they couldn't picture, they couldn't imagine. But their rescue was never in doubt because God's sovereignty, God's power, God's glory is never in doubt. I want to be a giant in faith. But often I'm a toddler clinging to God with no idea what he's going to do with this situation that I'm in. With no idea how he's going to work these things for my good and for his glory. And today I need to hear that my rescue is not my work. It's God's. It's not on me. It's God's. That I can be on the edge of the Red Sea with the greatest fighting force heading towards me that I have ever encountered. And I can be full of fear and full of trembling and realize how fragile I am and have no idea what God's going to do. But something in me can say, I don't know how you're going to do it, God, but I know you're going to do it. Not because of my faith, not because of my positive thinking, but only because you are who you say that you are. You will always have the victory, God. You will always win the battle. You will always smash it. You will always save the day. You will always make a way. Maybe not how I think you should, thank goodness sometimes, but God will always do it. You need to hear that today. Do you need to hear that when you can't see a way through, God is fighting for you. You don't have to convince him. You don't have to draw his attention. He sees that trap that you're in, and he knows what he's going to do with that. He knows how he's going to make a way. There's an incredible story in the New Testament. I love looking for the parallels. 
And if I said to you, storm, fear, getting out onto the waves, what, what story do you go to, those of you that might know some of these stories? So this is Jesus, who is the same God as we see in this story. It's the same God. He parts the waves. Jesus realizes that his really good friends, the disciples, are on a boat. I mean, he sent them onto the waves. In Mark's gospel, we're told Jesus says, can you give me some space, guys? Get on the waves. He, he's sending them into a storm. That's interesting, isn't it? And then he walks towards them on the water, and they see him standing on top of these churning waves, and they are terrified, just like the Israelites were. And Jesus says to them what Moses says to the people of Israel. What does he say? Don't be afraid. Check your fear. I'm here. And Peter says, if it is you, tell me to come to you. And Jesus says, it is. And Peter gets out of the boat. And for a, a moment, he stands on the waves with the storm rider. And then he loses sight. He takes his eyes off of God and he looks at the waves and the waves are massive. Forget any paintings you see where Jesus stood on a still water. He stood on top of crashing waves. It's while the storm is happening. And he takes his eyes off and understandably looks at the waves and Jesus says, what are you thinking of, you numpty? No, he doesn't, does he? He doesn't say that. He just reaches out and grabs Peter and says, I get it, I get it. Stand with me. So maybe that's the invitation for us. Maybe it is to check our fear, just to spot what, what is that, what reality is it distorting? What is your fear telling you that's, that's undermining who you're discovering God to be? It's, it's making you doubt and question God's faithfulness, God's, that God could be who he says he is. Fear does that. It's a bully. Check your fear. Let the Spirit of God do that because we can't do that ourselves, can we? Maybe it is to stand firm. Stop trying to fix it ourselves. Stand firm. Stand still. Just hold steady to look to God. And then maybe for some of us, actually, the waves are parted and Jesus is saying, come on now. Come on. Come on. The promised land is this way. Come on. Step out. Step out. You can trust me. The Bible is full of people who didn't go through amazing theological degrees and every course in the world so that by the time they met Jesus, they had it sorted and they had this stuff nailed. No, it was full of people who had no idea how to do this stuff, but they dared to trust that Jesus, if you are who you say you are and you say, defy nature and get out of the boat and walk on the waves and oh my goodness, I'm going to do it. Every part of my body is saying, this is nuts. But you've spoken to my heart and something in my heart says, I can trust you. And as I get out of the boat, that trust grows because I have proof before my eyes that you don't let me go. You don't let me go. God will never let you go. God will always win the battle. You are safe with God. You can trust God. You can trust God. You can trust God. When you can see no way through, God is fighting for you. You can trust him.
Thank you so much for listening to the Preston Minster podcast. We'll see you again soon.